Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Hey, what's up? GC Live special morning edition of the show, I guess we'll say. I'm here. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. We are, no matter what time we are, we are brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. Let me find Clint's banner. There it is. ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. If you need a mortgage or you want to refinance your house, Clint is your guy. He's the branch manager right here in Columbia, South Carolina at the Mortgage Network. His NMLS number is 71597. You could also email Clint Hammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Uh, apologies to those of you who are at some point later on watching this on YouTube at maybe two o'clock in the afternoon, but we're doing an early episode. But the great thing about YouTube, the great t- thing about the podcast platforms is you can watch it anytime you want. So Chris is on vacation right now, but there's so much going on. He felt he had to had to clock in, had to join us. He's got his coffee. He's got his Gamecock Central shirt. I see you took that on vacation, by the way. Um, dude, you – and by the way, if Chris goes on vacation, some big stuff is going to happen. Like it just feels um, – there's been several commitments, but we got to start, man, with Ryan Brubaker – the, the big-time offensive lineman. We're going to get right down into it. Pledges to South Carolina. Um, the, the guy was so ready to be a Gamecock that he did not wait until his scheduled commitment day, which is literally in less than a week. <laughs> the man wanted to get in the class. Um, Chris, four-star offensive lineman. I believe we've got him number 18 in the country as far as offensive tackles go on rivals. Um but as far as the rankings go, shoot, maybe just in general, this, this is the this is the biggest commitment for South Carolina or the highest ranked commitment for South Carolina of the Shane Beamer era so far. Yeah, it's a big one, man. And and this is kind of one I, I wrote inside the commitment piece yesterday. Was that yesterday? It's hard to keep up with at this point. Where I kind of said like Ryan Brubaker was kind of like it. It almost encapsulated what Shane Beamer is trying to do as far as. You know, th- this is kind of the first real recruiting cycle. Yeah, they had the 2021 cycle, but it was put together late with Shane Beamer getting hired on, obviously late in the process in 2020. And then you have a situation where there's still no visits. So it, it was very frantic. It was very rapid. And so the 22 class, even though they didn't have, say, two years to lay the groundwork, 
they did have some time to jump in on some class of 2022 targets like Ryan Brubaker, do some Zoom calls, do some virtual visits, then try to get into this summer. That's why we highlighted the month of June as being so important. Get in there, get them on campus and try to secure some guys or at least lay the groundwork to take their recruitments into the fall and be able to eventually land them later. And so um, we saw that with Brubaker. As soon as Shane Beamer was hired on, completed his staff, in this case, Greg Atkins, the offensive line coach, we knew that Brubaker West was one of many guys back earlier this year who took a virtual visit to South Carolina, had multiple Zoom calls with the staff. And it was pretty evident that this is going to be a guy that they were going to have major staying power with. I think the question was, how much? Would he be willing to leave the state? Would he be willing to come down south? Could South Carolina trump some of these other programs? He had a very interesting list of finalists, right? Penn State, where his dad played, home state. Then you had some high academic schools like Stanford Vandy. Then you had a couple SEC programs in South Carolina and Tennessee. But from the get-go, a great connection with the staff, Greg Atkins, Pete Limbo, Shane Beamer, and they were able to ride that wave and secure him. So this is a kid who's really talented and also from a culture standpoint really, really fits with exactly what they want to do and, and the kind of guys I think that they want to bring in this program. Yeah, I mean, uh, check checks all your, your boxes, so to speak, that you're looking for. And, um, man, like, like you just sort of uh, touched on, this was a big boy recruiting battle. And, um, you know, if you if you look at the offer list, I, I think I had forgotten just how many offers this kid actually has. Um, I was going back over his profile, watching some film again. 30-plus offers. And as you said, you, you're checking the boxes there, too. Penn State – the local, you know, the in-state school, check. SEC school is not just South Carolina. You're talking about Florida, Tennessee, um, extending offers there. And then, as you said, some really high academic schools, Stanford, Vandy are involved um, and and really gave themselves a shot to land him, I think. And so you're talking about a very, very well-rounded dude who um, sort of cares about the right things. And I, I think – you got to give credit to, I mean, I think this was a complete staff effort. Um, Beamer highly involved, obviously Greg Adkins. We're starting to see that be a trend. You know, these guys talking about, you know, I just built a real relationship with Greg Adkins and um, you know, Pete Limbo with that being one of his territories for South Carolina, helping build the, uh, the groundwork there for, for him. So I, um, you know, I think a team effort here and, and a guy that, you know, some, some, let's be honest, this is not going to be, at least in theory, if, if South Carolina has their way, we'll say it like this, this class will not be South Carolina's highest ranked class of the Beamer era. I, I think they're going to be in a position to sign much more highly rated classes as they build a foundation. But th- this kid is, I mean, it's, he's up there with anybody. I, I think uh, to be, what is he? One, He's 153 in the country. As I said, the number 18 offensive tackle, the fifth overall prospect in uh in Pennsylvania. So you're talking about a guy that, that it's not just South Carolina fans would be celebrating this commitment. If any school landed this kid, they'd be celebrating it. So to go in, beat out Penn state, uh, you just talked about the connections there. That's uh, that's massive. I think it just continues to build a little bit of momentum. This is one of those gets that we talk about where people take notice a little bit. And uh, you know, in, in terms of, of, building out a class you now I don't I don't know if South Carolina could have picked three better offensive linemen to sort of round out their their O-line class I I think they're really really happy 
um, with this being their, their three kids. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting looking at how the class came together. Now, as a side note, I think people may be wondering how many guys South Carolina are looking to take on the O-line. And I think the answer to that is, is kind of the answer at other positions. It sort of depends, right? Uh, if South Carolina stood pat with these three guys, Brubaker, Grayson Maines, Case and Henry, uh, the latter two out of Georgia, if they got just those three, they'd be perfectly happy with that. Um, they'll keep looking, you know, they'll keep digging around on some guys. Could some other ones come up that they already know about that they may keep track of and decide, Hey, you know, maybe we got a slot for this guy. That's possible. But this is kind of what the staff was eyeing, taking two or three really high quality uh, guys that they really liked. And that's how it came about. But, you know, Brubaker was a target from the get go for Shane Beamer. Uh, Grayson Maines, was a target very early. You remember after Greg Atkins was hired, we saw, I can't remember, Wes, maybe, I don't know, three to five new offensive line offers. Yeah. Immediately. And Brubaker and Grayson Maines were two of those. And so he was able to get Maines first, sight unseen. The kids since been to campus for a camp experience and an official visit. We know that South Carolina was very happy with Grayson Maines with what they saw in camp. Great size, could move, could bend, flexible. They liked what they saw from him. They've obviously loved what they've seen from Brubaker. And then Case and Henry, the other one, Wes, is a guy that they offered late in May, like May 26th or something. And then they've already got him committed here, you know, a month later, basically, um, after a, an unofficial visit to campus that couldn't have gone any better. And so uh, he, they really like him, too. Obviously, the staff at that time had Maines committed. They felt really good about Brubaker. He wasn't committed, but they felt really good about him. And then knew that Case and Henry, there was a good chance he would jump in. So they, they were able to kind of have that planned out, kind of knew what was going on. And now, if nothing else, they've got sort of this core three locked in that they feel really good about. Anything else is kind of, you know, icing on the cake, so to speak. Yeah, no doubt, man. And I, I think um, if you look at sort of – that that's a luxury to sort of have – to be comfortable with where you are as far as, well, if I'm happy with this being my three, if you're Greg yep. Atkins, if somebody else pops up, you know, yeah, you recruit them. If, if you have more transfers than you expect, you, you maybe add on a guy at the end. Now you, you sort of have the transfer portal always. If you sort of look ahead to after this season, that's always an option for you. If your numbers end up being different than you think, but it's a good place to be in and to have sort of your top guy, locked in and Brubaker, uh, that, that's massive. You know, some of these other positions, I feel like South Carolina has maybe locked in some of the other guys, but you're still waiting on, you know, you're still waiting on Oscar Delp. You're still waiting on um, an Antonio Williams. You're waiting on a Jalen Glover. Uh, you know, some of these really highly rated guys, but Brubaker, you, you already get him locked in. That, that's certainly helpful. Let's, um, Chris, let's dive in a little bit to the film here. With uh, let me see if I can get him pulled up. And what are your thoughts on Brubaker as a player? Um, as far as your skill set, uh, what you've heard, maybe. Um, and of course, we're gonna have to sit through an ad, it appears, but I'm surprised it's not a vaping ad to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> vaping or dip, yeah, yeah. But um, your thoughts on Brubaker as a, as a player, man. Well, the first thing that stands out about the guy is, you know, you look at the size, you know, and there it pops up 6'6", 280. Right I'm, not, 
Yeah, I, I don't know, Wes, if you heard what he measured in at on his official visit. I, I have not heard a, a specific measurement, but but somewhere around there, right? So this is a big framed kid. So you look at him and automatically you think, you know, he could play tackle. And and really, when you look at as a general point, more broad point, you know, all three of the guys in South Carolina's class at this point have the body types to play tackle, Wes. Can, can you move one or more of them inside? Sure. But Brubaker has the look of a guy that can play a true tackle, a left tackle, a right tackle. And aside from the frame, I think what stands out when you when you factor in that this guy's a swimmer, right? So very interesting athletic skill set. He's a really good swimmer, good footwork. Real, he's flexible and he can bend. You know, you think of a swimmer, you can't be stiff and be a swimmer, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna be very good. So you got a six six guy who's out here swimming. He's still got you know, kind of a lean frame so he can fill out more um, without being sloppy. You know what I mean? And so uh, the athleticism is a plus, the size and the frames a plus. And it's somewhat, he's someone on film, Wes, that does what you expect against lesser competition where he looks dominant at times. He's, he's mauling guys in the run game. He shows good footwork in terms of his pass protection. So there's a lot to work with here for Greg Atkins. Yeah, no doubt, man. I um, And by the way, Chris is joining us from the beach. I'm joining us with somebody cutting grass outside. So I'm just hoping that the show goes off without a hitch. This is li- this is what YouTube Live is. Sometimes you just don't know what's going to happen. So hopefully y'all can hear us. Hopefully everything's cool. But um, And, yes, uh, shout out Gamecock Russ. He's actually able to join us. There, there's a perk, Chris, of us doing a morning show. Um, legend. Gamecock Russ is uh, is on board here, and, and yeah, we decided this, this was the best time for us to hop on today, so we figured we'd just do it. Um, dude, I don't know if we've ever, like, you know, we've talked about two-sport, three-sport athletes. Um, having a guy that the other sport is swimming, I, I think that's a new one for us. So maybe, I'm telling you, man, may, we, we've scouted guys on the basketball court, right? Maybe we got to take a trip up there and, and scout out a uh, a swim meet. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we will be scouting. I, I cannot remember a, a guy. I, there's there's had to have been a guy at some point that was on swim team or really good at swimming, but I do not recall one where you like that's the second sport is is being a swimmer. I mean, there's you go back. There's a lot of local stories up in Pennsylvania about Ryan Brubaker and kind of as he was coming up in the football recruiting process about his exploits in the swimming pool. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that's kind of a kind of a sight, but he's he's not just a, like he's pretty good at swimming, apparently. So that's just that's just to me really interesting because it shows a guy that's got kind of a different type of athleticism. Um, you know, that's not something that we scout a lot. I don't know if we know particularly um, what kind of different things that brings to the table on the football field, but you know, swimming, again, different type of athleticism. We see guys all the time that are track, football, basketball, baseball, all that kind of stuff. But this guy, really interesting prospect for so many reasons, and that's one of them. Yeah, I don't know if we would know what we were looking at if we went and scouted this, the swim meet. But uh, but maybe we make that happen, man. It would make for an interesting story. Um, but, dude, they, there's some multi-talented Gamecocks. I mean, Colton Gothier absolutely shreds on the guitar. Uh, you bring in a, a guy that's that's good at swimming. Hey, Monroe Freeling, the 2023 offensive tackle that South Carolina's recruiting uh, from a collegiate, uh, Oceanside Collegiate. Let me find the name there. Is is a huge yoga guy. Like, and his, his mom, I think, uh, is a yoga instructor. But he firmly believes in yoga, 
and how that helps him with his flexibility, his mobility, his, his ability to bend. So um, interesting how these kids these days sort of mix in other forms of athleticism, other sports to maybe help them um, as far as football goes. So, so kind of cool there, but yeah, a, a swim meet trip. We've actually been invited, man. You, you've changing gears a little bit. You've been to Delaware before, right? I've never been to Delaware. We've been invited by one of the coaches for Braden Davis's team to come up for a day and, uh, and see them in action. Uh, maybe spend some, some extra time with Braden Davis, which I, I think would be a really cool story, maybe a little behind the scenes deal. So, so maybe this fall, maybe we're going to be taking some, some GC live Gamecock central uh, trips, uh, which I think will be fun. Uh, shout out Walter. Um, <laughs> Chris, make sure Wes gives you time in that. All right. So Walter just paid for, uh, Maybe we can get you a, a brew at the beach here, Chris. There we go. From, uh, yeah. from I that. Um, there it is. So uh, to, to update uh, this show right now, we're doing this on, I think it's Wednesday morning. There are three welcome homes still out there that are silent right now. If you're by the time you watch this or listen to this in the afternoon, that may be down to two. Um, one of those I believe will be revealed today. Don't know what time. Don't know exactly when. So, you know, this may be outdated by the time you hear it, but as of 9.50 a.m. Eastern time on June 30th, there are three silent welcome homes out there, one of them being the one from Tuesday, the other two being from the last Wednesday, being from a week ago. Um, the Brubaker commitment was the one that Beamer put out on Monday. On Monday, that was from the Atlanta airport. So that's sort of uh, – that's where it is right now, Chris. We haven't had you on since the uh, since several of these commitments. So let's go a little rapid fire here, man. Karan Prunty, a uh, massive get, and I and you know as far as high school kids, Brew Baker, the highest rated commitment. Um, Prunt as far as immediate impact, Prunty's the biggest commit of the Beamer era, in my opinion, so far. Because this is a guy, you know, Chris, his dad told me that they're looking at him being on campus by like this weekend or by Monday. Like they're they're trying to get here, like boom. He's gonna go ahead. He this it, it's not I think it's not out of the question. I think it's actually more likely that this guy's a day one starter on South Carolina's defense. Um what what was your what are your thoughts on the big pickup there, man? Well, I thought it was huge uh, for the Gamecocks. You know, the, no bigger position aside from wide receiver. Those are kind of the two, and we could sit here and argue probably for an entire show or an entire day about, you know, what, what's what's the biggest need position. But we know that DB is one of those two as far as just needing to bolster the numbers, needing to bolster the talent, and needing to bolster the guys that can come in and make an immediate impact. And so I think Karan Prunty kind of checks all those boxes. This is a guy from Virginia originally that, honestly, he was not recruited the way that he should have been out of high school. At one time, he was committed to Liberty. You know, he he was he had really good size out of high school. He had ability, but you look at kind of the offer list, it was Charlotte, Marshall, you know, Pittsburgh, Temple, Virginia Tech. He ends up signing with Kansas. He kind of – he committed to Liberty, kind of got some late interest, ended up committing to Kansas, but still, you know, wasn't recruited like he should have been. This is a guy that – certainly could have had more ACC, SEC-level offers coming out of high school. And 
once he decided to move on from Kansas, that interest picked up a little bit. South Carolina very quickly tried to jump into the mix. And, you know, obviously one thing that we knew South Carolina could sell was playing time. Tennessee could too, you know, and that's the two programs that it came down to. But um, just the, the status of the program, um, South Carolina did a really good job of, of recruiting him, um, showing him what the plan could be. And this is a guy that you could certainly see Wes coming in and, and taking one of those corner spots or maybe even somewhere else. But you think of him as probably a corner. He's got length. Um, he, he can run. You look at some of his coverage metrics, like if you dive into the PFF numbers from last year at Kansas, they were really good. Um, when he was specifically targeted, what was the number by PFF? About 38% on completions. 38.5%. That's, that's really good. And, um, you no know, touchdowns not, allowed. No touchdowns allowed. So man-to-man coverage ability um, is there. Now, the one thing I will say is is we don't need to – nobody needs to expect media fans, anybody, for Karan Perney to come in and be J.C. Horn in year one. You know, I think sometimes people get a little bit too – when we talk about a guy having an immediate, instant, sizable impact, you think that means he's automatically an All-American in year one, All-SEC – there's going to be an adjustment here given, I think, the talent level. Now, he played against some good talent, obviously, receiver and some very good offenses in the Big 12. There will be an adjustment period. But this is a guy that from an ability standpoint, and he's already got experience, he's going to be able to step in. And Wes, another one, this isn't just a one-year guy. This is a guy that has basically a full slate of eligibility, which makes him even more valuable to South Carolina. Yeah, so all, all that eligibility, but with a year's worth of experience in the past, happy Big 12. And um, I, I said this on, on Monday, I just like the way the guy finishes out plays. If you go on YouTube and, and watch that Kansas highlight tape of his, he's very, very good at you know that point where basically in this moment, it's either going to be a catch or not a catch. And it's, it's up to the receiver to either hold on to the ball or the defender to find a way to dislodge it. If you look at his sort of makeup speed and his ability just to finish plays to the ground, the best cornerbacks are going to get beat from time to time. Like you're you're not always going to have perfect coverage against good receivers, but he fights guys all the way to the end of the play. And I, I really like that because I think you have to I think you have to have that physicality in the SEC. So he will be, you know, he will be well trained as far as uh passing game, uh, RPO-heavy stuff that he's seen throughout uh, his time in the Big 12. But the point some people were making to me, man, is that this is not a finished product by any means. South Carolina thinks he's a really good player right now, but they think that the upside here is tremendous. So, what you know, what is he now, but what is he a year from now, two years from now, working with Torian Gray, getting more comfortable, going up against SEC players each week, a uh, really exciting prospect there as far as sort of projecting out what, what he could be as he continues to sort of, um, you know, get comfortable and, and, and play SEC ball and all those things. So uh, speaking of upside, speaking of projecting, Kylie Corton, another guy that's gone public since, uh, since you were on the show, Chris. This is one you, you talk about expectations. I think we have to be fair to Kylie Corton, and I, I think there's – Two, two things can be true here. The kid has, like, tremendous NFL-level upside athleticism, stuff like that. We also have to remember he's coming from eight-man football. There's going to be an adjustment period there. I don't think saying um, saying this guy's immediately going to come in and make an impact at South Carolina's receiving core. 
I don't think that's fair to Kyleek because it sets expectations for that to happen. And then if it doesn't happen, the, the criticism starts to leak in, you know? So I, I think, man, South, South Carolina had him on camp. We saw him those two days in a row. They said, look, this guy is too big and athletic not to offer him. So they did. I think we both sort of knew at that time he's probably going to be a Gamecock. He goes public um, on Saturday night. Um, I think it was. It sort of run together. But you love the upside here, man. Yeah, and, you know, he'll get his first look at receiver. And and that was the interesting thing is watching him in camp. You know, even in the kind of the drill work, you could tell, really, there were some very raw aspects. And I, I had a really good talk with this coach, Anthony Reitenauer, at Clarendon Hall, himself a former eight-man football uh, player played against Gaines Adams, the late Gaines Adams, who eventually went on to Clemson and um, was good friends with Gaines actually coming up. Gaines had a great career at Clemson, ended up being the number four overall pick in the NFL draft. We're not putting that same expectation on Kyle Lee, but it just goes to show that there can be some guys that can slip through. And so athletically, Kyle Leak has a chance to be one of those guys because of his length, because of his size, because of those measurables. Are there still some raw aspects about him as a football player? Sure. And honestly, one of those, uh, one of the reasons for that rawness is he's not. It's not like in high school he's coming up playing against Dutch Fork in practice or on the field. You know, th- there's going to be a difference where he's so much better physically than the teams he's playing against. So when you're talking about eight man football, the reason they're playing eight man, they got numbers issues. Clarendon Hall has 240 students total from I think kindergarten to twelfth grade. So there's not a lot of guys on the field. So athletically, he's going to be better than anybody on his team. He's going to be better than anybody they're playing against week in and week out 99.9% of the time, probably 100% of the time for colleagues. So there are some raw aspects. But when you look at it, Wes, he's got the size, the length, he's got the measurables, uh, the 4-4 range 40, the 39-inch vertical jump, uh, hands. He can catch the football very well. He's got sort of some natural ball skills about him. And you also look at him and go, hey, even if receiver didn't work out, this is a guy that from an athletic standpoint, he could be something for you. Now, maybe he could play DB. Maybe he could play outside linebacker. Uh, but he's got those attributes from a physical standpoint to where if you give him time and if he develops, remember, he's going from eight-man football to the SEC. You're going to have every resource you need to really maximize that athletic potential, and, and that makes him intriguing. If he's your only receiver taking this class, you know, maybe you go, okay, well, needs some more immediate help. If you couple him with some guys that can come in and play early and maybe are a little bit more ready, then you have something that's quite interesting. No doubt, man. Um, so, again, we're going to run through these. Uh, Case and Henry, he goes public on Saturday as well. Big offensive line prospect. And uh, a kid here, dude, I, I think, you know, we're talking about the three, the trio on the O-line. I think from what we gather, South Carolina would have been perfectly happy with just Mains and Brubaker, and obviously it wasn't quite in this order. They were sort of saving that spot for Brubaker, but I believe Greg Atkins just looked at this guy and said he's too good not to take. Let's sort of sort of almost make it an oversign. Let's take the three guys. The thing you like about Case and Henry, very sharp, well-spoken. I think he wants to be a doctor, just um, gives you these long, thoughtful quotes. And then on the field, he wants to absolutely knock the crap out of people. Um, that's what you're looking for in an offensive lineman. Then you throw in the fact that 
his measurables stack up as well. Um, pretty good combination there. It is, um, you know, another guy where you look at the, at the frame, the body type, like he's got it. He could, he could play tackle from a, you know, frame and athleticism standpoint. He can move inside because he has kind of that mauler in him. Even if he stays a tackle, that's certainly a positive attribute. But, um, yeah, I think that's the number one thing that stands out about this kid, whether you're watching him, watching his tape or you're listening to him talk or reading what he has to say or both. Um, he has that attitude and that disposition that you really, really like. And and I think you nailed it. We got the sense that while South Carolina was eyeing Mains, who they already had, and Brubaker, they've been recruiting for a long time and knew they saw this kid, offered him late in May, and then once they had him on campus, it was kind of evident on both sides mutually uh, that this was going to be a fit. Um, but you're right. You watch the film. He's playing to the whistle. Um, he wants to kind of destroy the guy in front of him. And that's a fantastic attribute to have in an offensive lineman, especially where you're going to be facing the talent that South Carolina does week in and week out in the trenches. Um, you don't want, you, you can't afford to have any guys that are kind of soft in there. And Case and Henry certainly is, is not that. And uh, as you can see immediately from this film, man, is sort of a multi-positional, versatile guy on the line. I, I think that's another thing South Carolina likes about him is, yeah, he comes as a tackle, but actually had, you know, sometimes we say this guy can play tackle, he can play guard. He actually has some experience, um, potentially could play any of the five positions on the line, which is is clearly a nice uh, – it's a benefit for you. It's, and it, if you're a player, from a from a coach's standpoint, it's a benefit because it helps you get the best five on the field. From a player standpoint, it's a benefit, Chris, because that means it increases your opportunities to actually get on the field. So that's yep. uh, that's always beneficial. And, and you see him in this film uh, – you know, is comfortable out there playing on the edge at tackle, but also is comfortable inside at guard. Uh, you know, has some pulling aspects that are that are built into this offense, and has just done a lot of different things as far as what he's being asked to do there at Walton High School. Yeah, and and I think with uh, you know, you hear the quarterback expression like if you have three, you don't have any, um, <laughs> or you have none. And I think when you look at offensive line, or like even when you look at the secondary, what you don't want to do is you don't want to take a guy and say, well, well uh, he could probably play, you know, any of the positions. You, you don't want to say that because you're not sure what he is or if he can play any of them, right? Like, he might be this, he might be that, not sure. You want a guy who can definitely play at least one or who can definitely play multiple spots. I think with Henry, this looks like a guy who you don't sit there and wonder, ah, well, we just, you know, you just don't know if he's a tackle or guard. You feel like he can legitimately play – you know, at the minimum guard and tackle, you know, centers a little bit of a different ball game, but could he do it? Probably so. Um, but he actually has, as you said, Wes, he actually has experience doing all those things. So there's some tangible evidence of that. But also when you look at the attributes, you very much can become a believer that he's going to be able to adapt to playing inside or outside, whether whatever South Carolina deems best here. No doubt, man. All right. Uh, final one here, Chris, let's go into our guy, Anthony Rose. Um, he is the welcome back home from Beamer on Sunday, and uh, Beamer sort of gave that one gave that one away, huh? When you threw the back in there, gave it away. But, um, dude, I you know I admit when South Carolina landed his commitment back, I think it was February. You you can't tell much from DBs on film. I'm going to play it anyway. But you know you're like, okay, he's a Florida athlete. Uh, probably plays good competition. He's been at several schools. You know, I was like, I'm sure it's a solid pickup. Didn't know 
how good of a pickup it was, to be honest. Then you and I saw him at camp, and my opinion quickly changed because I said, for one, this guy seems interested still, and for two, he looks like SEC defensive backs are supposed to look. Um, we, we got some good feedback on sort of his overall athleticism, on his mindset on the field. He's got a little bit of that sort of just that dog to him where he's he, he ain't scared of anything. I, I think this is a, a really good pickup for South Carolina as they try to continue to sort of rebuild um, their secondary man moving forward. Yeah, and obviously the high school level – it was going to be really important for them to land those two neat positions that we've been talking about, DB and receiver. You know, we talk about Prunty, who is almost the equivalent of a high school guy, albeit one with high-level experience, which is fantastic. But they also needed to land some talented guys from the high school ranks, and Rose qualifies as that. You know, liked what I heard from folks down there, liked the film, but just wanted to see him in that camp setting, and he certainly impressed. Um, size, attitude. Uh, he ran a four four seven forty and and didn't even have kind of the correct starting position. Still ran a four four seven. Multiple picks in the one on one session, which is kind of tough to do, Wes. When you're looking at these one on ones, and he was able to do that in camp. Uh, he put on a really really impressive performance. Probably one of the better performances I've seen. You know, since we've been covering camp, um, I thought he was really impressive in that setting. And I'll echo what you said. Even when this kid committed to South Carolina the first time. Um, I had skepticism that he would end up in the class just because you kind of got that sense that this is South Florida recruitment. It'll probably reopen at some point, even if not officially it did. And so then it becomes, well, what happens from here? South Carolina stayed on it. They stayed engaged. They got him in for camp. Then they got him in for the official. Now he's back in the class. And I think much higher chance now of actually keeping him committed. But this is a guy I was just going on a kind of a tangent there about, what positions can guys play? This, I think, really is a guy, just like Case and Henry on the O-line, that I think could play any position. I think he could play corner. He could play nickel. He could play safety because he's got the length, the ball skills, the coverage ability, the physicality, the attitude to be able to do all those things. Yeah, man, and I, you you actually stole my, my next you, – you're thinking along with me here. I watched the kid at camp, and he, he's listed – you know, he's listed as a safety on Rivals. I think he's listed as a safety elsewhere. I watched him. I was like, dude, this is a cornerback. Like, this is a modern-day cornerback, in my opinion. Like, he's got size. He's got length. Does he end up – you know, that size That size probably does play very well at nickel, where you can hold up against the run. You can, uh, you know, be the force defender at times and, and stuff like that. Uh, so, so, as you said, could probably end up at, at any of those spots. Could he play safety if needed? Of course – but I just – I don't think I realized before just how athletic he is. Now that I see how athletic he is, I, I, I think this kid is a future cornerback and someone that can match up against these big receivers uh, that you're going to face, uh, you know, in the SEC. So we'll see. Obviously, some of that will depend on who are your best five. What You know, if there are two lockdown cornerbacks already, that's a great thing for South Carolina if that ends up being the case. And then it, he's the best, one of the best five. Then yeah, he maybe could play safe. He could play nickel. But um, my my big takeaway: a, a lot of you know Clayton White talked about this dude. A lot of guys can play safety athletically. Not every guy can play cornerback athletically. 
And um, my biggest takeaway from that camp was watching his coverage ability, watching, you know, his testing numbers come in was that, yes, this guy can, can very likely play cornerback at this level. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, um, that's a great point, bringing up what Clayton said about that. I, th- I think it's 100% true, even though obviously playing in the league and, and being a, a defensive coach for quite a while. But, you know, you, you look at corner, you need so much there. you, you got to be so quick. you got to be able to have great recovery speed, man-to-man coverage skills, ball skills. You can't really hide guys at corner. If you can't cover people, you're going to get exposed in a hurry. And – there's a lot of deficiencies that you can kind of mask at safety. Maybe, you know, the mental side of it, you can help a little bit more at safety, depending on the system. Um, having guys kind of roam around at corner, you can't really do that. If you can't tackle, you're going to get exposed on the edge. If you can't get off blocks, um, if you can't, if you don't have the recovery speed, you're going to get toasted, you know, by the, by the guys at South Carolina that's going to play against in conference and out of conference. Um, so there's a lot to it. And I think when you look at, like, what makes a really good DB prospect, I think you want as many boxes as you possibly can check. Because sometimes you're going to look at a corner and say, great mentality, great coverage ability, but ah, maybe he's a little bit too small for the high school level. Or maybe he is more of a 4-6 guy on the football field. Anthony Rose, you don't really come away with a ton of questions from, like, an athletic standpoint. He's long enough. He's tall enough. He's got the ball skills. Um, he's physical enough. He can certainly run. So, like, he, he doesn't really have those questions of you worry about can he athletically hold up against this or that. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to develop into a great player, but it gives him, I think, a much better chance to do so. Yeah, you'd certainly rather check those boxes than not check those boxes. And I, I think that's the that's the case here, man. He looks the part, and uh, dude can jump out of the gym too, apparently. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, lo- love that pickup, man, and good for them to get him back on. I-, I think what you see now, some of these positions, you start to be a little bit more selective, right? Like you sort of are just keying in on your top guys right now. You're keying in, um, you know, and, and by the way, like I said earlier, by the time you see this, hear this, South Carolina may have already – they may already have that th- one of those welcome homes revealed. So, We'll we'll have to get into that at a later show, but um, but I, I think for the most part, man, you're going to see them start to focus in. You know, at DB, you're starting to run out of spots. Um, there are others, you know, at tight end with Oscar Delp, they already are sort of just like because they don't sort of have to take two or three guys at that position. They're already saying, "Hey, Delp is our guy. That's who we want. We're just going to focus on him." I think that's smart. We've had several people ask our opinion on Delp, dude. I. I think South Carolina at this point has done everything they possibly can do in their power. You're you're not even really recruiting other tight ends at this point. You're just you're after Delp. He's your dude. Um, obviously, that doesn't guarantee anything. It's going to be a battle. I think it's a battle to the very end. To until the day he commits, it's a battle. I I think it's still South Carolina and Georgia. Um, but uh, dude, he took and we. We actually will source things when it comes from other people, unlike some people. So I will I will give him complete credit. We did talk to Delp after the visit, but since then, he has told Phil Kornblute, uh, Sports Talk SC on Twitter, that um, he's going to be back at South Carolina July 31st. That, to me, Chris, 
that's a pretty positive sign. We'll see if he pops up at Georgia at some point. For those who don't know, there's this little window. So it's a dead period again now. There's this little window, final week of July. Kids can visit again. But, man, if he shows up on the final day of that open period at South Carolina on the 31st um, and he gets some of – I'd imagine you've got to bring out the big guns, uh, Chris Fulmer and the Ultimate tail, Tailgaters Barbecue uh, right, right. for the cookout, right? You, you, you'd think. I would think. That's, that, that's not everything, but it's a good sign for South Carolina. It is. And so you look at South Carolina – Last official visit for Delp right now. He, he's got one in his pocket if he wants to use it. Being realistic, unless he takes his recruitment well into the football season, which has never really been the plan, probably not going to use that one. So South Carolina gets the last official visit before it goes dead this summer. Then you got about three weeks in July, as you said. And then the last chance to get him in for an unofficial visit or get him in at all before July when it goes dead again. So another – I mean – strategically, that's exactly where you want to be for South Carolina. For South Carolina, if you maybe felt you were a little bit behind Georgia, which may have been the case going into the official visit, what you wanted to do was kind of make up some ground. And everything that we've heard has been from Oscar and from other things that we've heard that we've picked up, everything's been extremely positive on that front. Does that mean they're going to sign him? No, it doesn't. But where you want to be right now is you want to be at the table with a chance – to steal them from Georgia, and I think they're there. Does that mean they're going to land him? No. That that kind of remains to be seen. Oscar Delp doesn't know where he's going to go right now. That's the one thing I feel pretty confident saying. But South Carolina is in this one, um, and they're in it in a big way. So we'll see where it goes. You know, there's going to be a lot that you got to trump about Georgia. It's still going to be difficult. South Carolina's got some things that may help them as well in this process. But I think one of the things is strategically getting that last official before it goes dead. And then if he is back for that cookout July 31st, that's fantastic too. One thing that I did note, Wes, there at the, at the, in the uh, conversation that Delp had with Gamecock Central was uh, after his official visit, you know, he's always kind of been eyeing that September date, his mother's birthday to decide. He kind of said, Hey, it, if it comes before that, I'll do it. So the reason that I bring that up is he's always kind of looked at taking some summer visits and then going to see a couple games this fall, I think that's interesting. Does a game atmosphere kind of visit and being on campus, does that kind of change the equation for Georgia or for South Carolina? Is he already committed by the time the season rolls around? I think these things are important questions, and we just don't have the answer to them quite yet. Yeah, I, I'll tell you this, man, and and reading between the lines with a high school kid is a fool's errand, I will admit that. But being there for the conversation – like I I took I took the conversation to 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 me it sounded like he may if he feels good he may be ready just to be done with this whole thing. Well, we'll see, you know, it everything in recruiting is very fluid. But I he did not sound to me like a kid who wants to just extend this thing all the way out. You know, he cuz he you know, he sort of said he said I don't have a date right now. So he sort of you know, the September 30th thing has been out there, but he's like if you know, I'm gonna take the next couple of weeks to sit down, think about everything I've seen, and then you know, he sort of almost stopped, like he didn't complete the thought there. But it's the the dot 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 there is sort of like, and then I may, you know, I, I may do this. And he said it's gonna be where does my gut say? Where do I feel yeah. most comfortable? And yeah. um, you know, man, I, I think 
A couple other things to note here. He does have the one official visit left if he wants to take it, but you know, he's he's all as far as the top two, as far as we're concerned, we believe he's already used his official to South Carolina and Georgia. So um, you know, could could Clemson try to angle for one? Could could Alabama try to angle? You know, there there are maybe a couple schools that could, could get in there, but as far as the main schools he's been interested in, so it's not like Georgia still has theirs that they could you know, it's not like Georgia saved theirs, which then I think would be a big sort of storyline in this thing. So um, also we, we knew South Carolina was going to hit on the aspects of being a South Carolina fan growing up, the aspects with his mom going to South Carolina. We knew they were going to sort of tug on the heartstrings a little bit on the official. But my takeaway was Delp talking about how the tight end would be used and the specifics about how he could be used in the offense, his excitement level about hearing that. Um, to me, that that just caught my attention how much he talked about, how much they talked about him being used and being a focal point. And, I, you know, I think that that's the thing here. That's not, that's not recruiting speak. That's not coach speak. I mean, we hear that as far as what they're going to do with the offense on the field. Tight end is going to be a big part of the offense this season. So I do I do think if it ends up going into the season, he's going to see that they're using Nick Muse. He's going to see that they're using Jaheim Bell, that 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 it actually plays out like that. So um, this isn't just some big recruiting pitch thing. This is it, it really is a fit if he is willing to leave Georgia um, and sort of go against the home state school at this point, basically. Yeah, and I think Georgia and South Carolina both had to answer some questions about um, how they were going to use the tight end because it's something Delp has said is really important. Now, one thing I think was really interesting is, you know, when he was asked after his South Carolina official kind of what the decision was going to come down to, he did lean a little bit more this time at this point to saying it's going to be a gut feel. He, he wasn't as specific of I'm really going to look at the tight end. Now, that, that said, we do know that's important. We'll see if that's better or worse for South Carolina, the whole gut feel thing. Um, but Georgia, obviously, you know, they knew that one of the big marks against them, their big question was going to be how often they used the tight end and how they're planning on doing that, given that they've kind of underutilized it relative to the talent that they've had. Um, we've seen them address that. They showed Oscar Dell, you know, supposedly 8,000 catches this spring, you know, that their tight ends had or whatever and, and during spring ball. They showed him a reel of that. Um, they're, they're saying they're playing Eric Gilbert at wide receiver for this season, at least. So they're going to do that. South Carolina then had to come back and counter by showing him different ways. And Oscar Delp, if I'm not mistaken, said that he was, I think the words he used was blown away, you know, by what Marcus Satterfield and Eric Henry, you know, showed him on that front. So uh, that's going to be kind of a push pull, you know, some, some different things between those two programs. And, and we'll see where it goes. But I, I thought it was interesting that he leaned, he seemed to lean West a little bit more this time towards the kind of the whole gut feel type of thing as far as where he's going to go. Yeah. And we'll see, we'll see what that means. Who, you know, who knows at this point, but um, certainly will be worth uh, talking about. And um, I, I tell you, uh, and Alex, you're throwing shade at Chris's setup, but what you don't know is that he took the time at the beach on vacation to join us. So that's why you're not seeing, Sydney Rice uh, behind Chris. You're seeing, I think it's a closet, but he is at the beach. I really was hoping you'd join us on, like, on the sand with a drink in your hand, maybe. But I, oh, I don't know if that's not professional or, or just, I guess, maybe they don't have good good internet out uh, 
on the coast. The but, yeah, but uh, yeah, we're we're um, we're gonna let Chris get out of here. That uh, this actually went way longer than I thought it would. But good stuff, man. We we did we had a lot to cover, a lot to get to, and um, the the thing about Delp and the thing about a lot of these guys is South Carolina is in the conversation with some really really good uh, prospects. And, uh, and he's certainly one of them. And, I, Chris, I think of my final thought here, the fact that Beamer has re-energized the fan base a bit here, you're actually getting that um, that sort of – and I, I don't know how much fans on Twitter actually affect prospects, but have you know like there's never been more as far as like the hashtags, we want Brubaker, we want Delp. You know, these kids, whether it works or not, I don't know, but they are feeling the love from the fan base right now. And that was something that sort of uh, sort of disappeared because the fan base was kind of beat down towards the end of the Muschamp era. So you're seeing more positive vibes, you know, and I'm sure Beamer would joke that, you know, they haven't, they haven't played any games yet. So that that's sort of the, the way it is right now. But there there's just a, a different – feel right now among the fan base. And I think some some of that helps uh, as far as being able to continue this momentum. Oh, there, there's no doubt about it. And um, everything's positive at this point again. Now, you know, when South Carolina gives up a first down against Eastern Illinois, we'll, we'll see, you know, what, what happens then. But in, in all seriousness, no, I think the fresh start, the approach of Beamer and his staff, I think he's earned some goodwill. Right, and, and there are a lot of different reasons for that. We do a whole show, could do a whole show on, you know, why that is. But the way he's ingrained himself in the community, and I think, uh, you know, built up some positive buzz in recruiting. That's that's what people want. They some, want something exciting, something to look forward to. And now, despite it, whatever the record ends up being this year, and I don't think anybody has or should have high expectations from that standpoint. Um, but people are excited because they're kind of looking forward to this building process. And there's, there's now some tangible evidence of that in the recruiting trail, which is, is something that fans get really excited about because you can look to the future now and you can look to not only getting these recruits like they are, but having the ability to have a window of development two or three years into the future under Shane Beamer. I think that's what people are excited about. Exactly, man. So come on over GamecockCentral.com. Um, whenever that next welcome home gets delivered, we will, of course, have it. And uh, tell you what, man, Chris, I'm I'm gonna pop up. Uh, we're we're gonna do a giveaway. If you're a subscriber, I've got I've got a gift. I've got multiple gift cards. We're gonna start with one. Um, we're gonna give a twenty five dollar gift card away on uh, on Gamecock Central right now. Predict the time the next welcome home is put out. No, predict the time the next welcome home is um, revealed. So probably going to be today. I want to get this one knocked out quick to the Grand on Main Street. Great venue, great food, um, great place to go bowl, great place to have some fun. Um, they actually host recruits there at times. So uh, shout out to uh, Kevin Silbinder and everybody there. Uh, but head on over to the Gamecock Central right now if you're a subscriber. The Insiders Forum pinned at the top. I'm about to make the post. We give away a free gift card. Subscribers only to uh, – you don't you don't post it on here. You have to post it on Gamecock Central. Um, we're gonna give away that twenty five dollar gift card to a Gamecock Central subscriber. Morgan, appreciate you, man. Appreciate the uh, Morgan, new subscriber. Shout out to him, Chris. I'm sorry, we've almost hit an hour anyway. This was gonna be like a thirty minute show, but um, shout out Morgan, new subscriber. Shout out everybody who joined us. 
guys, you have to make the post on the forums, not on here. I'm, I'm not going to see it if it's on here. We got to be able to track it on there. So uh, appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Chris, enjoy the beach. Everybody else, enjoy your Wednesday. You got anything else to add, Chris? I'm good. I was. I'm glad Cartwright brought this up about me looking burnt again, guys. I am more burnt than I normally am right now. It's the lighting. This lighting setup is good. I have the window in front of me. I'm not looking at the beach. I'm looking at the opposite side. I have the lamp. I have the ceiling fan. That's why I don't look as burnt. Y'all are going to shame me. You're gonna you're gonna sunburn shame me into buying a ring light for my home setup. I'm gonna do that soon. Now Cartwright says I look white. So I really can't win with these people. So now I'm just going to leave and I'm going to go cry to myself. So now Chris, you should just go sit on the beach and, uh, and enjoy a drink, man. Um, go, uh, go enjoy it. And, uh, but yeah, dude, that, that is, that's pretty bad though. If the, the hotel or Airbnb, wherever y'all are at, their lighting is better than your home lighting. So I think both of us probably need to invest with some Gamecock central money on a ring light. I agree. I agree with that. We got we got to get that done. There's there's no excuse uh, for this condo that is. Apparently, I was gonna say it's not set up for this, but apparently it is set up way better. So let's get that done. All right, y'all. Uh, he's Chris. I'm Wes. We'll see you all uh, at a later point. Have a good one. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.